bought a scratch off lottery ticket. Do you have scratch off lottery tickets? In uh No, no. No, we've only just got electric lighting. Really? So, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Well I don't know. I don't know how, how universal the our our weird lottery systems are. I think I don't even know if I should call them our lottery systems. Yeah, they don't they're probably not even yours. Yeah. We probably invented them, to be honest, and you ripped it off. I can imagine that being the case. Sure, but we could take the credit, so it's it's a fair split. You probably just make them slightly bigger. That's, <laughs> that's the only difference. No, I was a sort of credit card size. Mm. That's how most of them are. Right. This is the one I got for you and me to do. Yes. That's it's a bit, it's a little more than credit card sized. Yeah. Do I get to keep the money? Well, we're going to have to work out the conversion rate from U.S. dollars to, you know, stone or whatever you use. We're not in the euro yet. Did you ever do scratch-off lottery tickets? No, I, I heard I heard that for mugs. So, no, I never I never did them. Mm, they're for mugs, you said? Mm, sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, if, unless we win, unless we win, and then, and then, they're, for, then they're for winners, aren't they? Do you, have you listened to much of the show? No. You listened to the episode that you were on. <laughs> I listened to a few of them. There was one, yeah, I listened to the the dead dog one. This is In The Cut, part two of our season finale. Part one's available on the page for the podcast in the iTunes store at www.inthecut.org or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Let's pick up right where we left off with part one. Hello. We're not home. Sorry we missed you. Please leave us a message and we'll get back to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Aaron, it's 11.30 at night, and I got your mom's voicemail. I'm going to call back again. Hello? Hi, I just left your mom a voicemail. Oh, Aaron, she gone? What's up? <laughs> we didn't scratch off our scratch-off lottery ticket. Oh, my God. Aaron, I got a... Um, this is all I could afford, but I, there's a there's a five dollar scratch off lottery ticket that's as big as my forearm. And it's called fifty times the money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And that feels like it's worth the five dollars. Put on a pot of coffee because this is going to take a long time to scratch off. <laughs> the cat took my chair. What what that has to do with what we're talking about? I'll probably never know. Well, I was gonna sit down and be comfortable while you scratch. The thing, but I, I don't want pay. you to be comfortable at any point in this project. Okay. 50 times the money works like this, Aaron. All right. There's five winning numbers. Okay. There's five rows of your numbers. That's each row has four numbers in it, any of which can match any of the winning numbers. In addition, <laughs> each row has its own. Mega multiplier bonus, Aaron. 
Okay, so we have... And the Mega Multiplier bonus is between double and 50 times. So if I scratch off a number on a row and it matches a winning number, I can use the multiplier on that row and get up to 50 times the prize I've just won. Okay. This was the best $5 I've ever spent in my entire life. <laughs> Sounds like there's probably no way we can lose. There's literally no way we can lose. I'm looking at the back right now. It says odds of winning are 100%. Wow. That's not true. It doesn't really say that. <laughs> here's, our, our, here's our winning numbers. we got five of them. Okay. 41, 25, 17, 25, 26, sorry. I thought we got 25 twice. That wouldn't have been fair. And 24. 24, 25, and 26. Do you think our odds are better because we have a kind of a block of numbers there? Um, I think our odds are great. I'm going to scratch off the four numbers on each row, and then I'm going to scratch off the multiplier for that row. Are you ready? <laughs> Aaron, I changed my mind. I'm going to scratch off the multiplier for the row so we know how excited to be. Then I'm going to scratch off the four numbers, and we'll find out whether our, our excitement was justified or not. I still don't really know what's going on, so tell me how excited I should be when it comes to that part. Okay. Here's, you got to remember 41, 25, 17, 26, 24. I'm not going to do that. Okay, well, you don't have to. <laughs> I was lying when I said you did. Row one, where our multiplier is only one times, so matching a number on this row isn't going to be a multiplier. not even bother with that one. The first thing I scratched off was 17. I just, the very first match I could have made out of what, five times four, 20 matches, I already made $5 back. You made $5? I made five, well, the scratcher cost $5, so I broke even, but. Both went for more money. I got 19 more chances to win, and I've already broken <laughs> even. The first thing I scratched off, Aaron, my neighbors are gonna know about it too. Mm. Man, my neighbors were having sex today. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah. There, there was just, it was just like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, like that kind of noise. Mm -hmm. And then, and then all of a sudden I heard, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fucking fantastic. It made me so happy. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Row two, we get double whatever we win. Oh, two. 42 is not a winner. 36, not a winner. 38, not a winner. 54, not a winner. Okay. Going to go on to row three, Aaron. All right. 50 times. All right. This is the one you want to get some dollars on. What I want to do is win a That's lot of money on this for you. Okay. Get some money, and then it'll be worth 50 times the money, and that'll be an amount of money. I like the amount of money. A big amount. Yeah, big, a big one. This is the last chance for the show to yield some, some profits. Absolutely. The, could you remember any of our winning numbers? Um, 17. 17 was one of them. All right, good. Uh -huh. I feel good about this. Okay, three is not a winner. 37 is not a winner. 48 is not a winner. And 47 is not a winner. Okay, we Jesse. didn't get 50 times Jesse. any of those. Jesse. Yeah, Aaron. Jesse. Yes, Aaron. Say again? The cat brought a stuffed duck. He got up off my chair and went in the other room and came back with a stuffed duck. I thought you had something that was going to be exciting for both of us, but it turned out to be something that was only exciting for you. Jesse. Yes, sir. Wait, did we not win 50 times? No, we didn't. You were talking about your cat and the stuffed duck. Uh, 
All right, I got excited about 50 times. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so 20x. 13 and 31 right. were both losers. 8's a loser. Don't even bother being excited about this, and we'll just get it, both get excited about the last one, okay? All right. All right, we got one more row, Aaron. All right, let's get excited about the row. Let's get excited about this row. It's 10 times. Well, all right, here's my strategy. Because yes, the multiplier is not as high, Yeah. why don't you just get a bigger initial number? Oh, that's a good idea. Aaron, I'm going to scratch out four numbers, and if any of them are 41, 25, 17, 26, or 24, we're going to win 10 times whatever the associated dollar amount is. 35 is not one of those. 40 is not one of those. 52 is not one of those. And 33 is not one of those. What we broke even. All right. Okay. okay. I'm sorry, Batman. I didn't mean to say all those things about you. Batman's pissed. I know. He's sad. He's going to punch you to death. Well, maybe I deserved it. Okay, good night, Aaron. Good night. Love you. You too. Bye. Stuffed duck. What about the part where they cut her hair off and then she still had hair? What do you say about no, no, that, they, Jesse? They, they just cut off a little cut lock off of the hair. Yeah, they cut off. That baby, they cut off more of his hair. There was some, uh, there was some continuity there with that they, baby they, hair. They just didn't want to actually cut the baby's hair, so she she palmed a little bit of pre-cut hair and then turned it up. I think a she lot of that hair was that not that actual baby's hair. Are you talking about Willow's wife cutting her hair? You're... No, 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 no. Bat Morta cuts off some of Willow's hair, or some of Laura Dannon's hair, during the ritual at the end. This right. is when okay, the show gets that now, yeah. Aaron's getting a little fighty right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I remember what you're talking Tell about. Tell my wife I love her very much. <laughs> Hey, Nunk, you there? I'm um, yeah. All right, hi. Hey, how's it going? Good, we got each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a, it's been, it's been a, yeah, I apologize in advance, but it's been a sleep the breath couple of uh, weeks. Oh, that, yeah, don't worry. I mean, it's, and, you know. Instead just... of these last two conversations, you can just do 30 minutes and sketch your lottery tickets. Mm-hmm. Or just waiting, waiting for the lotto number city called. Mm-hmm. We didn't win the lottery, by the way. Yeah, shit. See, that's a thing. I, I didn't I didn't record a bit with you, but to, to follow up on the Unbreakable episode, we lost Powerball. Yep. Am I did. correct? Okay. We're not we're not millionaires. Am I correct in that? No, you're not millionaires. I mean, yeah. we're not millionaires. I'm not on an island somewhere living in a. You are you are far afield somewhere, right? You're, are you in Alaska right now? Yeah, I'm in, I'm up in um, Cook Well, except for Laura, who's calling in from Leeds, uh, you're you're the furthest person. Uh, I'm chatting with in this episode. But yeah, it's been it's been fun. We're, we're fishing up here. It's it's just set netting, so it's not like super crazy. But it's like every couple hours, waking up and picking fish and coming in and getting a nap and getting really drunk a lot of the time in between. So you never get like six, seven hours of sleep in a row. Really? Okay. Huh. I mean, it's that's where we're not fishing today, so this is actually a pretty good. Um, Day for it, um, but yeah, I mean, so, sometimes there's um, there's day, there's days that we're not allowed to fish, but on those days the drinking is so exhausting and the sun's out so much that you end up you know just going to bed at four in the morning. 
Are you far enough north that the days, like the length of days, is way out of whack and shit like that? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, it's it like it, right now. There's actually a couple hours of this. Um, but even when the sun goes down, it's just sort of like a overcast afternoon. It's fun though, but the drinking is is more exhausting than the work, really. Right. How much you get paid for the drinking? Less than zero dollars an oh, hour. No, that's I gotta, terrible. I gotta buy my own beer. I know. That sounds like the but, lottery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you you wake up and you pick fish, and then you go, "What is it? Do we eat breakfast? <laughs> is this a lunchtime? Are we going to? All right, let's go. Uh, let's go shotgun some beers, and then just <laughs> go out and pick pick some more fish again. What, what meal is that? Shotgun beer. Yeah, meal? I don't know. Every meal, right? You know the uh, I was at I was seeing uh, Ethan Ski's band at a bar. I uh, I don't know. I, I went to I went up to the bar and I was like, "Hey, can I just get a PBR?" And she's like, "You want a shot of Old Crow with that?" And I was like, "Oh, you guys are still serving breakfast." <laughs> I thought that was really fun. I mean, that was totally off the cuff, and I thought it was great. And she just like totally didn't acknowledge it, and I felt like, "Damn, that just that's some wasted material right there." I like it so much that I'm gonna take it. Yeah, good. Let's steal it. Propagate that. Well, um. As far as the um, movie stuff, I, I, I spent a little bit of time thinking about it in between picks and uh, didn't come up with a thesis exactly, but came to some <clears throat> kind of embarrassing revelations about my uh, my movie watching over the last five or six years. That's great. <laughs> I've become a completely undaring consumer of movies. Like, I, I, I remember when uh, I was in high school and in my 20s that me and John like me and John used to watch a lot of like crazy movies and really like talk about them all the time and really get into them like uh, was it was a period where we were really into like I, I know I was I don't know how much he was but Louis Bunuel like weird surrealist old um, movies and really get into them and talk about them and we had a video productions teacher in high school that introduced me to a lot of amazing uh, movies and shows like the, the singing detective mm-hmm. one that I really liked that he introduced me to it was a, it was actually a TV series and um, this guy Dignitz uh, Forsinski who did like these really amazing um, green screen <clears throat> effects he actually I think came up with like that matrix of, uh, what's the matrix effect where like time slows and multiple cameras were around it and, right right bullet, bullet time is what those guys called it and, was really inspired and then um, got really into you know movies and putting a lot into it but over the years recently like I don't really choose to watch movies that require much of me anymore (laughs) 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 which which is which is uh, which is too bad and the podcast is actually sort of inspiring like when I listen to it I'm like I need to spend more time with good movies but I I remember quite a few times in the last year where, where, where it's been like um, you know, Terrence Malick has this new movie out that I'd really like to see in the theater. And uh, um, let's watch Talladega Nights again. <laughs> <laughs> so my, so my, so my, my choices are, have become pretty unsophisticated, and I'm not really sure why. I've become a much lazier consumer. Why do you think it is? I'm not sure. Do you think it's common? Do you think most people, it's happening to people as they get older, or do you think? kind of does a cultural shift or just feels something uniquely to you? I, I, no, I think it can, it does happen to some people and they, they get older if they're 
you know, don't, don't have as much time or energy to um, put into it. But I think, you know, for a lot of people, that's something that that is too important a part of their, you know, advice to give up. Mm-hmm. But for me, I don't know. I'm, but, but the podcast has sort of inspired me to spend a little bit more time um, with movies, although not out here. Seeking out excellent movies like Brain Scan and RoboCop 3. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bushes out the other night. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure what it, what it is that's, that's that's caused that shift. I mean, I, I had growing up, I I, I had some strange uh, influences just from my childhood on, and that was like we, I remember when we got our VHS player, and back then like nobody really had a movie library, and that was for incredibly rich people. Or at least I thought so. I remember videotapes would have a short trailer at the beginning saying, because they knew you were renting the tape. Right. They And so it would have this ad that was like, hey, you can buy videotapes and start your own home video library. And there would be like a chalkboard right. where the phrase home video library would be written and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because they really were like trying to get people to buy movies and own them themselves. Uh, and it was just not something that people were used to. That idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. Home video library. And I, th- I thought it was—I thought it was totally ridiculous. Nobody's going to buy a movie. <laughs> I mean, I was just a kid, but but I remember we did have two movies when I was um, super young. My sisters were teenagers, so I was probably like eight. But we had two movies that I watched hundreds of times, both. And uh, one was this club. Which which, I, uh, which movie was it? You broke up for a second. The Breakfast Club. Oh, Breakfast Club, right? Recorded from TV with some of the commercials cut out, and some not the commercials cut out, and sometimes part of the movie cut out. But I watched that hundreds of times, and that's still a, and that's still a genre that I told like is those nineteen eighties teenage. Uh, that's John Waters directed that, right? Uh, John Hughes. John Hughes. Right. John Hughes, John Hughes movies, yeah. right? That genre yeah. of John Hughes movies, yeah. Which yeah, John is, Water. Uh, yeah, yeah, very different. Totally different. I'm totally an idiot. Different. <laughs> Let it be known. But like, yeah, like Pretty in Pink and Sixteen Candles and stuff, right? Right. Candles, Pretty in Pink. All you know, what? I I will rewatch those movies all day long. Those those still get me because I, I remember because I, I was a kid and both my sisters were teenagers and I thought being a teenager was the coolest thing. Mm. And I remember there, there was like a Futurama quote where Fry's looking at a, a Breakfast Club soundtrack and he, he looks at it and he goes, I can't wait till I'm old enough to feel ways about stuff. <laughs> and for, for, for whatever reason, that line couldn't have grabbed me more. Like like that, I was like, that's exactly how I felt when I, when I was watching that. I was like, it's going to be some great times. <laughs> I can't wait till this because my two sisters were were the coolest. Sure, I thought. Little did I know, being a teenager is stupid. Right. So then, was, oh, it, was, the, was the second movie the movie where the border collie rides the dolphin? He was a racerhead. Oh, it wasn't the movie where the border collie rides the dolphin. No, there wasn't a movie with a border collie. I mean, we didn't own one. You do, you do own one now because I've pointed every time I visited your house, your mom's house, I've pointed out that movie to you. A movie with a border collie. On the cover of the movie is a golden retriever, or some kind of dog, 
basically a dog is what I'm saying. My, my, mom, my mom has a golden retriever and she has pictures of it all over the house. Is that There's a movie that the cover of the movie, the videotape in your house is a dog sitting on a dolphin. And that's the story of the movie is a dog and a dolphin team up. I don't know that movie. Okay, I'm looking it up right have, fucking now. Are you just going to Google do- dog and dolphin movie? Yes. Okay, I don't remember that movie at all. That wasn't part of my childhood. But my mom has grandkids. It's probably part of theirs. It's probably part of theirs, yeah. Or, or you just saw a picture of my mom's dog sitting on a dolphin. <laughs> framed somewhere. <laughs> does that that sometimes. would be a hundred times more amazing. Yeah. There's a movie called Zeus and Roxanne, and it's about a dog sitting on a dolphin, according to the cover of the movie. According to the cover, the picture on the cover, it's about a dog who sits on a dolphin. Yeah, it's Zeus and Roxanne. So that's probably... The next movie we should talk about. It probably is. No, the other the other the movie dog that rides the dolphin. All, all, no, Eraserhead was the other movie that, that informed my um, taste in movies from my eighth year to probably my thirteenth. Hmm. I watched that a bunch of times too. Because uh, a friend of the family's was in that movie and mm-hmm. just happened to have just bring a a copy. She was the lady that. Lived in the radiator and tap danced on leeches. And she sang the song in heaven, everything is fine. Yeah. God, that was a horrible movie to just leave around for an eight year old to watch a hundred times. <laughs> no wonder I'm so fucked up. Right. Yeah, I'm sure you still don't want kids. Yeah, Eraserhead was an influential movie for me. You know, David, I, I'm I'm pretty attached to David Lynch, and, and Eraserhead was uh, the first or second movie of his that I ever saw. I immediately sought out and bought a poster of it that's still hanging in my house now, you know, 15 years later. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 opened, it opened my eyes to ways of telling a story through film in a real non-traditionally narrative way. Right. I, I think when I rewatched it later, it's, it still was, was hard to, like, look at the, how amazing the, the filmmaking was and the storytelling was. But it was still just sort of like I remembered little bits and pieces of it, and it, it more just you know I saw I see it through the eyes of an eight year old going like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 I remember being amazed by it, but fully not understanding it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the question of how and whether to understand movies is a whole nother topic, even. I think, you know, right. it's, it's, it's all, it's all about what you get from it. I was, it was just informing me about the world outside my house. Right. Well, that's what goes on out there. <laughs> <laughs> Not that this is the point you're bringing up, but you, do you remember, uh, this is probably especially true on the breakfast club that you taped off TV. You remember having to walk over to the TV and adjust the tracking on the VCR? Oh, absolutely. I was terrible at it. Yeah. The, the knob where it just, you, you, you kind of adjusted the f- fuzz the static off the top and bottom of the screen by turning a dial yeah which i guess was just real subtly moving where the kind of magnetic pickup was on the tape or something i can't i can't even still to this day visualize exactly what that was physically accomplishing but i'm not sure what that was 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 doing but i remember um like if if you went and bought a blank tape and you were recording the breakfast club on tv you could choose different speeds Mm. to record it at and you could get like you know or worth of tape up to like eight hours of really crappy mm-hmm. video on mm-hmm. the same tape, and we to maximize our, our tape. So so it sort of had that those lines sort of built into it, I think. And so adjusting the tracking, you, you know, it, it might it might have been that 
you were trying to adjust the tracking, but that was just the best quality that you had recorded in that. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, but sometimes you did have to adjust it to fix it. Like that, you even a, a videotape you got from the store, uh-huh. you'd have to fix the tracking if there because there'd be a little bit of fuzz across the bottom, or it would just seem janky in some way. I remember the three speeds. They were depending on the manufacturer of the tape. It was SP, LP, and EP, or SP, LP, and SLP. You have a great memory. Yeah, yeah. that's totally what it was. And uh, and like cassette tapes, there was a little tab you could snap out to make it not record overable. Yep. And you, uh, but if you put a little piece of masking tape over it, you could record over a commercial video. Right. Yeah, I remember that in, um, in on cassette tapes. Yeah, cassettes had had two, one, one on each top corner, mm-hmm. one for side A and one for side B. Right. And uh, a videotape had one, you know, right next to the long label on the... I felt really tech-savvy when I figured that out. Oh, like, yeah, God, totally. Can't wait to teach someone this. <laughs> I remember when I, when I was living with uh, Casey in, in L.A., he just uncovered, like, four tapes that were, you know, recorded at the worst quality of Headbangers Ball in 120 minutes. <laughs> and it was, it was, I mean, you, it, was, it was shitty quality, and it was, you know, half of them were cut out, but it was so much fun to watch. Oh, you God, can even just sure. put it on in the background. Those were great shows. <laughs> One thing that I, I, there's a, um, I read it and I, so I don't know. So Netflix did that thing where they opened up their like data sets about people's watching habits to say like, hey, we have an algorithm that's guessing that's whose point is to guess what other movies people will like based on their watching habits. Um, uh-huh. Ours is mm-hmm. like because of how the system is designed, they get kind of immediate feedback on it from users. Like when you're after you finish a movie on Netflix, it'll give you some recommendations and it knows whether you click on them or not. Uh, when you're scrolling through movies on Netflix, it says, you know, what out of five stars, how many f- stars do they think you will give it? Right. And when you rate it, when you rate it, Netflix now knows how accurate that guess was and stuff. And it's really incredibly high. They have incredibly smart engineers working on this problem. But one of the th- interesting things they did was they put it, this anonymized data set out to the public to say, like, hey, if you can if you can increase our ac- the accuracy of the algorithm we use to guess that by two percent or five percent or some very small number because it's already in the 90s then you know there's like a million dollar bounty for you or your team or whoever is able to do that pretty cool way of doing things yeah i thought it was real smart so i I, I, i'm familiar with it with their you know algorithm and i'm often offended by it yeah you know it just told me the other day like based on your taste preferences we think you'll like talking animal movies for children (laughs) right like fuck you so I don't know if this came out of that data set or if this is an unrelated thing. I, I think I heard this at around the same time, but um, people worked out like what the one the hardest to guess movie was Napoleon Dynamite. For some reason, they could just never get any accuracy, no matter how much other information they had about the person's taste. Because it was a real love it or hate it movie, but it was really difficult to predict which way an individual person would swing on it. Oh, that's a weird. That's crazy. Just, 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 just because like what what movies they like before is, is never going to inform whether you 
It just turned out that they didn't have any good indicators for that movie. And it, I mean, my, I have my own theory about that, which is whether you saw that movie before you heard 100 people quoting it or not, Yeah. which is really hard for Netflix to know that. But if you just went into it cold, you typically would really like it. And if you went into it after hearing people endlessly quote it, then it would just be a huge source of annoyance for you. Some, some, some movies are, are, are better when they're, they're, they're quoted a lot or hyped up. Mm-hmm. And like I've, I've talked to a couple of people recently um, about The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. And like, nope, not interested. Like, not not a good movie to me. And I, and when I'm talking to them about it, it was just super overhyped to them hmm. way before they ever saw it. Yeah, so that's tough. Know, ex- expectations were super, super high, and then it's just, you know, the big lebowski i also think that big lebowski is like i don't even want to hear your opinion on big lebowski till you've seen it 10 times honestly but where i was starting to go was it either was around that time when netflix flicks opened up their data or it was just some little tidbit on some netflix blog or whatever that i stumbled across it that someone was curious to run the numbers and find out what movie the most people rented but never watched anyway so like the movies that the movie that tons of people rented and that nobody seemed to watch it it had for a long time gathering dust on their dvd player presumably was uh hotel rwanda Mm. and and it's because it was this you know incredibly good critically acclaimed but really like emotionally trying movie and i think a lot of people really well-intentioned rented it and yeah. just because you have to, it takes work. It takes work to watch some movies, yeah. and that's some, one of them. Um, and who, you know, people are getting off their jobs and they come home and they're just like, they don't want, they want just the something to just be spoon fed to them. And I mean, I'm, I, I don't exclude myself from this either. I, I you know, I, mm-hmm. I've, People are like, when are you going to watch The Wire? And I'm like, oh, God, I have no time. But yet, at the same time, somehow I found time to watch the entire run of Star Trek The Next Generation like six times. Right. And every RoboCop movie ever made. And it's because I can just put it on and it's zero effort. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally, I, I I know that my instant cue, I, I'm, I think maybe Hotel Rwanda's on there. And there's, I'm sure there's a lot of other ones that, I, that when, when I'm ready to watch a movie, I, go, I, I cycle through, you know, 30 movies that I'm like, nope, not, not ready to watch that yet. Right. The piano, the piano, I've, oh, I've been meaning to get around to that for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm not really, not really going to go for it. And then I'll see, you know, Hobo with a shotgun and I'll be like, yeah. Yep. So it's probably a hundred times worse now that it's just real like click and watch instead of like, right. you know, when you got a DVD in the mail, at least there was a small amount of obligation to watch it because you couldn't just change your mind right then. Right. If, you're, if you're making a decision in the privacy of your own home, no one's around to judge you. No one's going to stumble across the DVD sitting out, out on your coffee table. Right. It's probably gotten way worse. Right. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. I think that when I'm just around, I'll... I will rewatch something that I've seen a hundred times rather than invest myself into that. And nobody has to know until you call me on the phone and put it on your podcast. <laughs> I mean, Adam Sandler keeps making movies. Someone's paying for him. <laughs> right. Right. So is it, is it, is this a problem we need to solve? Do you think, do you, do you think we need to be better movie watchers or, or is it just that we've been lying to ourselves about what we want to watch all this time? I think I do. I think, I mean, I think for me, for me, you know, taking that investment or, you know, investing in, in the actual movie, you know, should be more important. I mean, I, I know that I, that there's a lot of movies out there that I could get a lot out of and, 
my wife when I'm watching it, involve myself more in it. But it's not it's not places I've been making recently. It's mm. in the last few years. But the podcast helps. It's fun to, <laughs> fun to watch and then listen. And I mean, a lot of times there's stuff you know that I'll, that I'll miss and that I'll, that, that I can relook, you know, re rewatch. And stuff I don't think I would have missed if you know five or six years ago. I think I was pretty attentive and do give more to the, you know give more attention to the movie and you know really try and get into the, the years ago. But nowadays I'm just like okay. When you, when you watch a movie, even a pretty good movie, are you, are you, do, do you typically go through the whole movie without like, you know, flipping over to the browser window on the computer you're watching and the Netflix on or checking your phone and flipping through your emails or anything like that? Do you, do you, are you typically able to make it through an entire movie without diverting your attention? It depends. But I say <laughs> no. I have my phone pretty handy. And that's, yeah. and that's probably one of the, one of the biggest impediments is that I think I can multitask this movie. Right. I, I I probably you know have my phone handy for most movies, but also the the but I think it more comes down to the choices I'm making. I mean, a lot of those movies don't. I don't think need my undivided attention. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I'll try that. You know what? I'll try it. I'll put my phone in a different room next time I watch a movie. Next time I watch Tal- Talladega Nights again. <laughs> It'll be like a whole new movie to you. Uh huh. Well, so uh, we have a problem. We only watch bad. We only enjoy bad media, and there's nothing we need to do to solve it. Is that the? Is that where we our takeaway here? That, that, that's my message. Don't don't fix. We're, we, we're, we're all doomed. We suck, and don't fix it. Stop making good movies. <laughs> I won't watch them. Wait! Stop wasting my time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only I'm only watching movies with less than twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes from here no, on. No, I mean it was it was sort of a revelation when I was thinking about it, and I'm, I I am going to try and actively become a better movie consumer. But I don't I, I I think I think there's hope for me. I think there's hope that <laughs> good movies can still entertain me. I don't know. I, I think that some of the most rewarding movies I've ever seen in my life were a lot of work to watch. Like Stalker yeah. was is my is an example for me, uh, or Eraserhead is a is an example. So so there there is such thing as a good movie that needs work, but a good I mean a movie should be doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I think a movie needs to be entertaining and it needs to be kinetic and bring you from scene to scene and not feel like it's it's a slog to get through. Is a beautiful or as insightful or as amazing as it is, I think a, a successful movie also has to do a lot of the self-propelling and a lot of times when I, when I happen to when I'm like you know what I'm gonna get around to that movie I've been meaning to watch and I kept putting it off because it seemed like it was gonna be a lot of work it ends up being part of the reason it's good is that it does do a lot of the work for you and and I and I'm surprised like why was I dreading this so much this is just entertaining I'm just losing myself in it like I'm supposed to in a movie yeah and I, I agree I mean I think that a lot, a lot of movies can you know just just be on the surface really entertaining and 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 really well done and do a lot of the work work for you but if you're you know if you're invested in the movie you can get a whole lot more out of it sure but but even even to be invested doesn't have to be that much work i think that's where i've been failing movies well i guess the i guess the lesson is we'll try and watch movies better you fucking deadbeat <laughs> I will try. No, I mean you. T- this this is the lesson to all of us, myself included. Right. Not watch better movies, although do that too, but watch movies better. Yeah. 
Thanks for taking time from your heavy fishing schedule to call in and 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 make this a reality. I'm so glad to be able to get sure, reach out to people all over. Yeah, Thanks for, sure. for being a part of it, and and I'll, we'll 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 talk more when when uh, when the machine starts up again. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm totally loving the podcast, and uh, fun to get to talk to you about it whenever I get a chance. Before you go, I have a scratch off lottery ticket for us. All right. This is a mustache. This is going to be the winner. This is going to be huge. Oh, good. What is it? It's mustache cash. I just shaved the my uh, mustache into my face. So what what I get to do is uh, I scratch off six different mustaches, and if three of them are the same mustache style, uh-huh. then we win whatever the prize is. This is going to be a winner. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. All right, so the prize that we stand to potentially win is $8. Oh. And here come the mustaches. You ready? Huh? The caterpillar is the first one. Is that a mustache? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh it's uh it's like Ned Flanders. Oh, okay. Where it's just like a little rounded on the sides, but just a big block right there under your lip. It's a big thick bushy one. Gotcha. Second one is Macho Man. That's pretty close to the one you're talking about. Alright. Goes down on either side of the lip. The third one we scratched off is the coach, which is like the caterpillar, okay. except it tapers to a a bit more of a point on either side. Getting less confident about this lottery ticket. Got the coach again. Okay. We're two two out of three for the coach. Nose tickler. That's the that's just a bushy, bushy mustache. All right. So we 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 have two of the coach and one more to scratch. So if we scratch off a third coach, we win eight dollars. Sweet. We lose. It's just another macho man. Uh, All right, thanks. That's uh, yeah, absolutely. That wasn't a winner in lottery ticket, but you're a winner in my heart. That means so much to me. Oh, good. That's good. Well, thanks, man. Thanks. I'm gonna go drink a mimosa and get on with my day of editing this podcast. <laughs> okay. I'm um, gonna go drink several beers and then go pull fish out of the water. That sounds great, man. I'll uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Caddy Cash was the name of the file I accidentally deleted. Um, if you folks heard it, it was probably sounded pretty bad on my end, because I deleted my audio recordings. Yes, I have to use my, basically, Skype recording of Aaron if he deletes his recording. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like it might be malware or something. Caddy Cash, who knows? It could be a weird browser bar. I'm sure it was malware that deleted that file, Aaron. No, I just I deleted it because I thought it was. You del- you put it in the garbage mm-hmm. on your computer. <laughs> So, um, what should we talk about, buddy? I've got a, I've got an idea. Sure, I didn't. Um, this is this is a real free form thing, and it was kind of a spur of the moment idea. But um, I wanted to chat with everybody who's been a part of the show, and and just kind of, I don't know exactly. I I, I wanted to. I just wanted to kind of see see if uh, if each person wanted to kind of pick a topic. 
uh, or come up with a thesis or, or just have it, you know, just have some kind of related chat um, and I could just smush them all together somehow and maybe something will come out of it. Okay. Um, so I would like to to speak about uh, Jesse Holden. Uh-oh. The man, the mystery, the dream. Mm. Um, Jesse, at what point in your life did you realize that you wanted to make a podcast where you tore apart movies? Oh, I, I wasn't prepared for this at all. I should have come up. With <laughs> Nobody a... expects the Caledonis Inquisition. The, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't really have a short answer for it. it I uh... You've got 15 minutes. <laughs> I had a, uh, there was a coworker I had years ago who he, he and I talked about m- movies occasionally, and I just found his opinions on movies so completely the inverse of mine you mean wrong like to the point where it's like our tastes weren't similar enough for me to even say he had bad taste in movies he just had like absolutely bizarro world taste in movies like i asked him one time i mean i just it it sort of just slowly came up organically because a movie would come up and i'd be like that looks terrible and he's like no it was great or you know he would would, can you believe they're making a movie about this and i'm like yeah i love that movie or something I asked him what his favorite movie was, and he said, uh, The Saint? Have you ever heard of that movie? Fuck you. It's Val Kilmer's, like, he, he, he's like an everyday hero guy, or maybe he's an angel. I don't even know. I couldn't even finish it. I watched it just out of curiosity and, uh, when he said that, and I just like, wow. This, how many mil- millions of movies are there in the world, and this is somebody's favorite movie. It just blew my mind. So I got the idea that I would, I didn't know what form it would take, but my first idea was make it some kind of YouTube series where I argue with him about movies and, and try to explain to him how wrong he is about absolutely everything and his opinions. <laughs> I like that your your target audience was this one guy who was just totally fucking wrong. No, I want, he was going to be part of the show. It was going to be talk, me talking to him and telling him why he was wrong. <laughs> And I thought one thing to to just kind of make it you know entertaining at all, which of you know even a marginal entertainment value that I thought maybe we could make like sock puppet versions of ourselves and do sort of like a make little five to ten minute episodes where we just argue via these sock puppets, syphilinoli style sock puppets we've made of ourselves, and we got as far as like I, I finished a puppet version of myself that I actually like. I mean, I don't know how to sew or sculpt or do anything like that, but I just kind of put cobbled together this thing. He started one, and it didn't quite get finished. Anyways, the project never really went anywhere. Got it. Anyways, that was years ago, and and it, and it just kind of it, it it linked the idea languished in my mind, and I I never wanted to give it up, and I and I I shot a couple video conversations with a couple people in Portland where we kind of tried to t- talk about chat about a movie. Um, I still have those. Those might get turned into something at some point. It's very time-consuming to edit video, more so than audio even, and I wasn't able to really quite make the time to get it into something I wanted. And they were pretty, you know, they were the, my first attempts, so they were a little rough, and I couldn't, I didn't quite, I mean, not that now I'm any good at it, but I was especially not good then at kind of steering the conversation and keeping a sense of momentum in the in the conversation. And uh, so that was an attempt. I kind of thought I could revive the ideas still as a video, short video series, or rather a series of short video chats and uh, I decided to start trying to work it with audio I got in touch with Aaron I got in touch with you and I was maybe I can record just the audio and then later I can figure out if there's a way to animate it or I can kind of 
Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, it just kind of ended up just being a case where I, what, who even wants to watch people talk about movies anyway? It's just, just I could just make it just the audio and, and, and just start with that. So you and I and you and Aaron did a, a couple uh, while I was still kind of figuring out the software, figuring out the logistics of the recording and buying microphones, you know, figuring out that stuff. The host was one me and Aaron started talking about. There, there's some that we've just been lost completely, but no, none were complete until uh, you and I finally had what I thought was a big jump forward with the Prometheus episode. Mm-hmm. And so that was the one I decided should be the first. It, it, when, once it was decided in my mind that I wanted to be a podcast, I wanted the podcast to kind of be born fully formed, right? I didn't want the first episode to just be a chat, and then the second one, it sounds a little better, and the third one, it gets a theme song, and the fourth one, the format starts right. to develop. I really <clears throat> wanted the format kind of finished before I released the first episode of the world. And, of course, they, I, I mean, I think they get a little better as they go, just in terms of my skill at marginal skill at um you know eqing the sound noise gating compression still compression still escapes me to some extent but i think it's getting better uh but no i wanted the artwork for each episode to be have already the format already decided i wanted the website completely set up and everything i want i I wanted uh i wanted to kind of hit the ground running with it my next question is uh what was what was the criteria that you based your guests on because you can conceivably have have one of these with the guy that you were you were talking about where he's like, yeah, this was a great movie. And you're like, but you're wrong. <laughs> and st- instead, what you got was was Aaron. And I'm wondering how much of that is uh, just because your familiarity with uh, with banter with Aaron and, and you've got kind of a notion of, of his likes and dislikes or if it had more to do with uh, his ability to keep up with you while drinking. Hmm. It's a good question. He doesn't. Um, he drinks less often than me when we're recording. You know, we I I, I have a couple drinks every episode. Sometimes a couple. You know, more than I, is really strictly necessary. <laughs> yeah. On the, I mean, on the drinking thing, it's I I don't. I, I'm incredibly self-conscious and, and the one I'm, I'm incredibly poorly suited to this type of medium, in my opinion. And it's only because I've now listened to myself talking for f- probably 50 or 60 hours just for this project alone. I mean, I've many hundreds of hours spent listening to myself, but 50 or 60 hours of tape of myself I've listened to. Now I'm just totally numb to it. And I, and I, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's especially at the beginning, you know, I, I needed a drink or two to even just find my voice and talk into a microphone without just being crippled by self-consciousness. This is not, this isn't my area of expertise by any means, but as far as picking Aaron, it, it, uh, it, he, it, he, he real quickly did just kind of become who I felt most natural to just kind of consider the, the primary co-host. And, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I don't get a lot of external feedback, so I'm not sure if people like him most as, as the, as the guy or not. And, and it, part of it is because I've always had great conversations with Aaron in my mind where he and I saw the movie Inception in the theater and we just talked for like four straight hours afterward and neither of us loved it and neither of us hated it. But just from the conversation with him, I kept tripping over kind of by Socratic method, kept tripping over new perspectives or insights into the the craft of the making the film uh and i just felt it was really illuminating and and i felt i don't know if he would say the same thing but 
there were things that neither of us knew going into the conversation that one or both of us had come to realize coming out of the conversation. So you kind of get this real, like it's it's not someone who knows their shit showing up and explaining something to you so you understand it. It's two people who neither of whom know any shit who just kind of like klutz around and through the conversation can stumble across insights or perspectives or, or differentiators there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it became completely based on, on again, my anxiety and it, it was required to me, it was required. I just had to find someone who I just had the most natural rapport with out of anybody I knew because it was so stressful to talk into a microphone and know I was being recorded and know that, you know, not that anybody necessarily listens, but that anybody could listen. I, I, I would need somebody who I could be as as unselfconscious with as possible. And just because Aaron and I have friends for many, many years and had drunken arguments for the entire time we've known each other, all the way back to when I was, you know, 15 and we were stole wine from Safeway and stayed up all night drinking the wine and arguing about Lost Highway. He, he was just my most kind of natural teammate in that way i thought does that answer the question i might have gotten a little afield of the original question no i i was uh, yeah i was kind of wondering what the what the criteria was for selecting uh not not specifically just aaron but i think you you definitely covered that with aaron um but what it is that you were looking for i think in it's a- just it's someone who's someone whose opinions interest me and someone who I have the advantage of having been friends with and, and know how to talk to from like a decade plus of, of knowing and being close to. What's the most common request? My guess, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say probably is people recommending their personal favorite movies to you and be like, oh, dude, you've got to do Day of the Triffids <laughs> or something something along those lines. Fucking Citizen Kane or whatever their their favorite movie is that they want you to kind of tear into. Hmm. Do you have like an ongoing list or you just whenever somebody says that to you, you just fucking tune them out? <laughs> There's only been really a handful of specific movie requests. In fact, more people have asked if they could be on the show than have asked if we could do a movie that they requested hmm. the first movie we, we ever i was that was ever requested was brain scan and you could see it took me like you know four months to get around to that one <laughs> um and that was a, that was a great episode shitty movie great episode i enjoyed that one thoroughly. at the end of recording that episode i was like god that was surely the worst episode we've ever recorded and then by the time i finished you know re-listening to it i'm like god that was there was so much good stuff to that um i didn't want to fall into the trap you know there's a lot of fucking podcasts where it's two or three dudes sitting around and talking about a movie right so one of the differentiators was in my mind was I didn't want it to be a show where we just picked a dumb movie and talked about how dumb it was because that's probably the most crowded field in all of movie podcasting. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of stumble across one like that, there's a real, how do you, however you say the word schadenfreude aspect to it. And um, a couple people have requested uh, one of the Ninja Turtles movies and I've had a couple other loose requests like that. But for the, for the most part, people, um, the show might benefit from having some kind of system, like maybe maybe spend. I a recommend s- occultism. <laughs> Spending a season working on just eighties horror, or spend a season working on just the films of James Cameron, or or something like that, or 
just picking movies we think are great and talking about why they're great, picking movies we think are terrible and talking about why they're terrible. That's a lot of people when they hear when I when when I mention the show to them want to know like, oh, so you pick bad movies or you pick good movies or they want to know what the what the the unifying theme of the movies we pick is. And there isn't one. It's it's just movies that um, that I and or the person I'm going to be talking to think have something to talk about. Yeah, to them, and you. And I think the best ones are, are movies that were real ambitious and didn't quite pull it off. Because that's, I think, that's the the most fertile ground to, be, to for a conversation is a is a movie that really tried to do something couldn't quite make it. Because you can talk about you know the aspirational aspects and the kind of the mechanical failures of the movie. Well, I've I've noticed that uh, <clears throat> yourself and uh, Josh and Aaron. When you become critical of of movies, how do I want to play, uh, say this? You guys approach it from a, a a pretty academic perspective, which I think is kind of interesting because I know that you're not formally you haven't had any formal education in, oh, in regards no. to cinema. So absolutely not. And I I believe Aaron had the same video production class that I had, which <laughs> and I've got to say I've lost. You know, I I know what a grip does, but <laughs> I don't remember what a fucking smash cut is. I'm like, oh yeah, I heard that band; they sucked. <laughs> you guys, you guys are very academic, almost in in the way that you approach your uh, critiques of movies, and I appreciate that because my reactions tend to be less thought out and more like just visceral gut reactions. Of, I liked this a lot, or I fucking hate that. <laughs> I think. It, just in listening to you guys and then listening to episodes where I've been, I'm like, oh, man, I sound like a fucking raving mongoloid. What the shit? And um, uh, it's, that's it's really not you. It's I ever I, I mean, <laughs> I, I listen. I, I always think I'm the stupidest sounding person in the episode. Aaron has never heard an episode of the show, but I'm sure he would be, kind of be equally kind of self. Well, I'm not trying to just be self-deprecating. I just know that uh perspective that i tend to take is one where i'm not necessarily thinking of like let's say the meta narrative i'm just i'm just kind of reacting to what's happening on the screen and 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 basically the uh the emotions that i'm experiencing or the frustration that i'm having trying to accept the the story and 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 let go of reality and and be immersed in in the movie itself and i i tend to struggle with that but you guys are so articulate, and that's that's great, considering how many drinks you've had. <laughs> so I, I guess one of the things that I was going to get to or ask you about is um, these are all generally, I would say, probably pretty masculine perspectives. I mean, you know, we, we try to be forward thinking and, you know, pro feminist in our real lives. And so I, I hope that some of that reflects in in the things that we actually say on the podcast, but during the, I think it was This Is England, you had somebody come in and, and do uh, the intro. Yeah. And the first thought that I had was, man, it would be great if Jesse got some girls on the show. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, your mom going, hey, Jesse, when are you going to bring some girls over? <laughs> I just, I think that it would be interesting to see what a woman's perspective of, you know, cinema is pretty well male dominated. And I'm, positive that 
most of the movie teardown shows or movie critique podcasts are primarily dudes. So I think it would be interesting to get a female's perspective on some of this. And I'm just I'm throwing that out just from something I've observed and I've kind of been curious about. You're right that it's I mean, it's it's obviously I mean, the the most any woman has been part of the show was my friend Laura doing the intro for the This Is England episode. And and it's something I've noticed, too, and that and that I, I, I a little disappointed in myself for not having. I mean, as forward thinking as we can be, which is arguable, and <laughs> we're still there's unquestionably we're still coming from a male perspective, and and that's something that you know that's a that's a filter on your experience, uh, and right. and and on you know the the life experience you bring to experiencing a movie, whether however universally you attempt to speak about it, your experience of the movie comes from your own personal perspective, which is heavily you know gender influenced because how society is so you're right that it, i think the 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 show would be well served by having a female perspective on it and uh something I, I would love to try and amend in season two not only are we all young men we're all like almost the same age and we're all from real similar i i think roughly similar economic backgrounds and and uh regional backgrounds and stuff too i think there's a little, probably a lot of myopia in the show that's hard for me to see, um, but I, I think it, not not just bringing women into the show, but a diversity of perspective, I think, would serve it really well. Hmm. One of the moments that I thought was just really amazing is how uh, Aaron magically referenced the Stonewall riots. Mm. <laughs> I was like, God damn, look what he just brought to the table. There's, <laughs> I can't even compete with, with being able to reference stuff like that that's amazing that's something that's i mean that's aaron to me in a nutshell every episode there's one moment where i when i'm re-listening to it i'm like holy shit that's a fucking eye-opener right there that, mm -hmm. that aaron can pull off you know I, I i i've talked a little bit about my own anxiety about like speaking and stuff i i i i, I don't want to talk about you know the guy when he's not here to defend himself <laughs> but aaron is someone who with with you know crippling social anxiety and um but he, he he's so he's so brilliant and so wonderful and has such as a uh, sense of humor that's so his own that i one this even goes back to why i wanted to do this show in the first place is that aaron's an incredibly special person who i think deserves to be shared with the world whether he likes it or not <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, everybody I work with is, but you, I mean, it's it's come it, see it, the mighty Kong. <laughs> exactly, totally is an aspect of that to me. For me, and you, I mean, you you are wonderful to talk to. Or you really are, and 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 Nunk and Josh uh, are are great, all their own ways. But one, I think one of the reasons I I really have doubled down on trying to get make make Aaron a major part of this project is because I. I don't know that he really has that with, you know, because he, he, he struggles with uh, attention deficit problems also. And someone, someone's got to be putting a microphone that's recording in front of Aaron's face once in a while, because if, you know, the, the world, he needs, we need a permanent record of that guy. He's amazing. Right. So you just kind of touched on, you know, the, 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 the difficulty in, in sometimes wrangling, I'm going to call him the talent uh, <laughs> in order to uh, to do a recording, but this uh, this whole project has has been 
kind of a testament to your ability to uh, hold fast in the face of technical difficulty after technical difficulty after technical difficulty and all the while like learning from your mistakes and improving and and i i definitely believe that there's been a, a progression as far as the quality of the product uh from from its inception the, the first couple of recordings that didn't even make it because of technical difficulties uh to now what was the one that had you banging your head the most oh it's like, is there one that was just excruciating? There, there, there were a lot. I mean, it's th- first of all, thanks. That's incredibly flattering to hear that. I don't even know how to respond in that way, except to say thank. thank I th- I'm so glad you feel that way. Um, the it's it's been the most frustrating thing I've ever done in my life. I think it's the and 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 it's not to, it's not to say that this is me overcoming adversity to make the next Citizen Kane. Obviously, right? It's I mean I'm I'm making a pretty run of the, at best. This is a passable podcast. You know what I mean? This is not this is not this is some world changing piece of artwork. But um, I wanted to do something that was outside of my comfort zone. Something that that tapped into things that I wasn't familiar with, like audio recording stuff, audio editing, the the production of this type of, of format, the syn- podcast syndication thing is a whole technical thing that I was curious about and knew nothing about. So I knew I was getting into something that I was completely jumping in the deep end mm-hmm. uh, and learning to swim. Um, but yeah, it was inc- unbelievably frustrating. I mean, the first the first time I tried to record, Aaron didn't show up, and I just sat there like <laughs> arguing with an absent chat window and drinking way too much whiskey. And like, got, I got emotional, and I was so frustrated because he kept like he would send me a text and say like I'm almost there, and then he wouldn't show up. And uh, you know, it's it was really like fifty percent of it was my fault too. I had misunderstood some of the timing aspects of it. He was trying to catch up with me. I was trying to catch up with him. He never showed. I got so pissed i like i like threw the bottle down and i just took a walk around the block because i just had to blow off steam it was so frustrating that was the first time we ever tried to record and it we i didn't record a single second of audio it was all <laughs> night for zero for oh, zero man. result I, I just wish that you had recorded yourself having that <laughs> meltdown so that you could later on just like you know get the the best parts of it and, and uh and combine them and then release it out into the wild that would have been so marvelous oh god it's there and then a couple episodes later i i tried to record an episode with aaron um or a couple attempts later i think you and i had gotten part of a successful one as frustrating i i there was one the i think the most memorable moment for me in terms of frustration on this project was me and aaron trying to do the movie the host I had overcome a couple of technical problems i was still trying to record into a program the apple program called garage band uh i there's length of individual recording block limits that aren't you know part of the manual for that program but i ran into there was some convoluted technical problems i tried to recover part of the data from using the command line i i we had had anyways we had a three-hour conversation that i thought was really extraordinary there um he you know there were some observations in there i can still bring to mind that i thought were brilliant and and at the end of it i felt so i just like i just did three solid hours of work and i'm really really happy with this and it's all it all got lost um i was trying to close it i was trying to save it i was trying to wrap it up the whole thing was destroyed i was frustrated i i was trying to dig it out i was trying to do all this stuff and i like 
I like my cheeks got really hot and like my eyes started tearing up and I got and I literally like I went like I hulked out in a way like like I started like pounding my fists on the table. <laughs> I, I, I felt so fucking feel, like I can't remember any time in my life since I was a little kid feeling this mad. And I like grabbed my pillows off my bed and I shoved them into my face and I just screamed <laughs> I, at the top of my lungs. Screamed. This is at like one in the morning. And then because and I was like, I'm gonna go to jail if I scream, but I can't not scream. And so I just shove my face into my pillows and I go. Ah! It was so. I and and I didn't. I didn't. Even, I wouldn't even talk to Aaron about it for the next couple of days. Had no, it was not his fault at all. I was just. I couldn't even think about what had happened because it was still so raw and my and my my nerve was so raw on that. Um, I was like, I'm never doing this in, in, like this again. I'm never. I'm never going to try that again. Why did I think I should could even be able to do this? It was so fucking frustrating. But uh, I don't know. I just took a week off and didn't think about it, and then we kind of tried again. Yeah, I don't know. I think I. What's life without adversity, though, right? I mean, who who makes a movie without a conflict? Nobody. Um. Well, well, it's uh, definitely been an adventure. It's been fun. <laughs> You've been such a big part of this for me. It's like I don't. I don't know that. It, I don't know that it would have achieved liftoff without you. And I, I really appreciate that you've been there. Oh, thank you. It means, uh, it means a lot to me. <laughs> And uh, this, I, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't think I'm making Citizen Kane here, but I think everybody should should be working on something creative, something that I feel the same about movies. I, I, I and I hope I'm, I hope I'm never so hard on a movie or the people who made a movie to to make it seem like I wish they hadn't tried because I, it, the, even the worst movie in the world, you know, someone tried to make a good movie, someone someone was someone poured their heart into that you know um and and it's work and and it doesn't always you, you don't always come up with the greatest movie you know you don't always come up with citizen kane but you are way more forgiving than i am <laughs> <laughs> i'm like fool me once shame on me <laughs> uh no that's not how you do it um the um the other thing and I, and I just want to come back to this cuz I think this is really at the heart of a lot of what I how I feel about the whole the whole matter is that when you said you 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 feel like your reactions to movies are are more personal not I, you didn't use the word personal but you you did say you know they were more immediate and visceral and kind of your immediate reaction to the movie and not a lot of stepping back and analyzing kind of the mechanics of what makes uh, why a movie is a certain way or another way, or, or at least speculating about that stuff, of course, which is all any of us are doing, not being involved in the movie industry at all. Right, right. I, I think that that's, that's, the truest, that's the truest analysis you can make of a movie, though, is, is how and why it, it worked for you or didn't work for you on an emotional level. I think that's the incredible power of movies. And in talking about act structures and talking about the way screenwriting works or, you know, mechanics of the cinematography and stuff. It's a lot of that, you know, a lot of that's really window dressing. And a lot of times the best movies succeed emotionally by breaking rules, like formal rules like that. And one of my favorite things about art uh, that anyone ever said was, it was something Stanley Kubrick said. And he said, the test of a work of art is in the end our affection for it, not our ability to explain why it's good. 
Mm-hmm. And as someone who's involved in a project that's 100% explaining why it's good, <laughs> I still think that, that the final test really is our affection for it. And, and, and I think that you, I appreciate that you bring that. Well, thank you. Um, I was, it's funny what you were just saying about the Kubrick thing reminded me of a conversation that I had recently with some other people. Um, and it's kind of a meandering story, but I'll, I'll get to the point. Talk it to me. So a number of years ago, I ended up in Lawrence, Kansas with some cool guys. And we went to the um, William S. Burroughs uh, Ports of Entry kind of open forum. Call, there was this auditorium. Burroughs was up there. Uh, Legs McNeil was up there. And Ginsburg was up there. And the auditorium was packed with most likely English majors. And every question, they, they have this Q&A session, and every question that was directed at, at Burroughs was basically for the benefit of the person asking the question, not because they were actually getting, you know, arcane knowledge from Burroughs. What they were doing is they were presenting a question so they could show off to their peers how fucking... Look at the great question I just asked. Everyone a, wanted the most clever question. Exactly. Right. And so the entire time I was sitting through this, my reaction was, you fucking douchebags. <laughs> this guy is a fucking genius, and you're all up here waving your cocks at him, thinking of like, hey, this guy's going to be really impressed with my knowledge of the English language. Instead of like, you know, seeing the artist and and trying to like address the artist and 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 call information from him instead of and you, you just kind of touched on it with the Kubrick thing and so when i did actually get the opportunity to, to speak with burroughs and all we talked about were the the redwoods in northern california i was so fucking happy because i knew that at that moment i wasn't one of those dick bags <laughs> uh He's fucking William S. Burroughs. You're not going to do anything that's really going to impress him. <laughs> he's he's kind of untouchable in that regard. So just fucking sit back and have a conversation with him. And it just I felt that it was a loss on the on the part of the people who had that moment. And they they chose to work some kind of an agenda. And I think, you know, art critics and uh, music critics and film critics food critics even, people who are just in a position where all they do is talk about the mechanics of a thing, I think that they do kind of, in some in some way, lose sight of the actual art. You know, they might recognize components that make up the art, but they're not necessarily feeling it the way that art's intended to be felt. I don't know. I mean, do you look at... Uh, Picasso paintings and fixate uh, on where he put his brushstrokes, or do you look at the the way he deconstructed his subject and then reconstructed it? I think I think that you can learn from both. I really do, and I think that you can you can usefully criticize things on the mechanics, and you can uselessly <laughs> stroke yourself over your knowledge of the mechanics. Or you can usefully look at your emotional reaction to a piece of art, or, or you can, you, you know, uselessly be led around by it or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you have to get to the heart of it, though. It's true. You can't just get lost in the details in that way. And 
I, I'm not the first person to say this, and I and, and I wish I remembered where I'd heard it. But um, like for example, when you're looking at the act structure of a story, or you're wa- watching a movie and you're thinking about how the acts break down, the first, second, and third act of the movie, you can talk about that stuff with other people and 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 gain some type of useful appreciation of the the craft of making the movie, but. It's like looking at a building and talking about the scaffolding hmm. that they used while they were building the building. You're not talking about the building. You're talking about the tools brought to bear and the, the, how it was designed. And you can't lose sight of the building and just argue about the scaffolding. Well, I don't I don't think that uh, your show has fallen into that that pitfall I, I oh good now all in all i'd say that this has been a very successful experiment on your part i think that Thanks. you've uh you've come away with a you know it's a product that i enjoy and there's probably like at least three or four other people like myself you think world. that many <laughs> one or two maybe one or two maybe um so you're going to be taking a vacation a little hiatus away from this and uh when do you think you'll be back I don't know. It's I I got I just have to play it by ear. Uh, you know, I'm thinking a few months, summer vacation. Okay. 2 or 3 months. Um, so this pretty much concludes my uh my interview with uh Jesse Holden. Um, he's been a great guest. And, Thanks for uh, having me. I always appreciate being on your show. You know I'm going to be asking you for money at some point, right? Oh, yeah. No, naturally. <laughs> this is just buttering you up for that. Yeah. Well, I got all these lottery winnings. I'm just <laughs> sitting on a pile of cash right so, now. So uh, actually, I'll just you know, grab a handful and stuff it into a middle envelope and send it to you. This kind of, you know, it's after the fact, but what was the... Uh, what was the the idea behind the the lottery things? I mean, it's a really funny uh, component of the show, and it's it's really interesting to me that that I'm assuming happened in one show, just kind of an off off the cuff kind of thing, and then it's just <laughs> become a tradition. Is that? I don't even fucking know. I mean, it's 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 almost better <laughs> unexplained, which is good because there's no real explanation to it. I uh, you know I listen. Uh, there's, you know, a couple dozen podcasts I listen to and they all break up the format by having sponsor reads. Mm-hmm. I thought it, it, it just seemed like something you kind of got to break it up somehow with that sort of thing. And I just there were never going to be any sponsors in my mind. It was always just going to be a failure joke show. <laughs> so I, I just I don't know. I just thought that would be that would be f- f- sort of funny to just to have, pretend you were being, you know. Call call your stupid scratch off lottery ticket thing a sponsor. You're you're right that there was no like lead up or anything. It was just like, all right, here's our first sponsor. This lottery ticket I bought. Um, well, I got you here though. I guess we should probably do one before I let you go. Let's do a scratch off lottery ticket. Okay, hit me. If you reveal a toucan symbol, you win the corresponding prize. If you reveal a wild symbol, wild symbol being the word wild, you win double the corresponding prize. You got six chances to win here, eight hundred dollars each. Per chance? That's amazing. Butterfly? That would have been five hundred dollars. You blew it. I'm shitty at this. Yeah. Flower? One hundred dollars. Star? Two hundred fifty dollars. Snail. Toucan? Two dollars. Bitchin. Walrus. And a papaya. That's not even close to a walrus. 
Yeah, no, you you guessed wrong on that, but you did win two dollars. Congratulations! Thank you. Where, where what are you gonna do next? <laughs> I'm gonna take a nap. Oh, what's the lead into the Disneyland question? Where no, are you I... gonna go now? What are you gonna do next? I forget. <sighs> anyway, I'll cut that part out. Where does that come from? Football? It was an old television advertisement series. I think they would they would you know O.J. Simpson, you just made the Super Bowl touchdown. Where are you gonna go next? Uh, Kato's house. Yeah, that was just a bad setup. Wow. <laughs> Mexico. I'm gonna cut most of this. Okay. I'm gonna. This has been a great segment. I'm just gonna cut every part where I'm talking. Perfect. It's gonna be a lot of dead air. All right, brother. All right. Have a great night. Hey, you too. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, man. Of course, always. Take care. Talk to you again soon. All right. Bye bye. Bye. I think he represents the actor of a movie more than the director. I think he represents, I mean, his, someone pointed out to me, his name is actually Oscar is like a transposition of the letters in the director's name. I honestly, I honestly thought they just called him that because they figured he's probably going to win the best actor. (laughs) That was, I mean, also uh, maybe very much a thing. Um, Didn't get a nomination. Did he? No, he didn't. Well, there's no justice in the world. I guess if the little girl from um, Beast of the Southern Wild wins, there will be a tiny bit of justice in the world. Otherwise, none. Yeah, but they're not competing. He's a man. What? He's a man. They have, uh, they, they're... they have a separate league for women? <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> turns out the Oscars are still segregated. If, if it were up to you, what would you want to, to be different about the podcast? I mean, like you said, you've only listened to a couple, but I'm just curious if, if longer or shorter or more people or less people or more often or less often or... You do need girls. Yeah. And maybe you could, like, vote on the next film. Do you know what I mean? Like the people involved could or the, like, audience also could? Yeah, I don't know. Either of those, really. Because at the moment, I just... I don't have that much time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, watching films is like that, you know, two hours more. All the films are really long these days. Right. Uh, so I want it to be a good one, not always getting that, really. <laughs> it's true. We're not always picking <laughs> good or worth watching films. I don't know. You should do more classics, I think. Mm. So, I don't know. There are ones that are ones of your podcast though that I do keep meaning to listen to and they're all stacking up in my podcast player thing mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do our scratch off lottery ticket it's uh, lucky sevens and the top prize is $777 mm, that's about 600 quid or something isn't it 500 quid What's do, you, you... do I get like half of it when we win, we'll oh, work out how the split is going to go. We're going to have to work out the exchange rate and everything. Okay. I'm going to scratch off our lucky number, and then I'll scratch off our numbers, and then we'll work out our payment strategy after that. All right. Our lucky number is 13, 
In America, that's typically an unlucky number, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it is everywhere. Okay. All right, 15 and 14. We, but we didn't match 13 yet. 13. Hey, we won. What did we win? Let me find out. Mm. We won two two American two American dollars. What? So what's one American dollar in uh, I don't know. gold you British gold it. pounds sterling? I'm gonna donate my half back to in the cut. Is oh that my okay? goodness! <laughs> I know it's incredibly generous. <laughs> You're our number one sponsor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Ha, 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 ha.